Thanks for joining us on the JX. We'll start today with our media overview. We call it Signals and Noise. Our Signals and Noise panel is two people who know, love, and teach media. Christopher Lucas is an assistant professor in the Communications Media and Cinema program at Southern Oregon University. Chris, welcome back. Thanks, Jeffrey. And Jesse Kretzer-Hartenstein, an assistant professor of journalism and mass communication at Cal Poly Humboldt. Welcome back, Jesse. Hi there. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Good to have you all here once again. Uh, we can only start with uh, one of the bigger stories of recent times, which is uh, in the media, which is the Medford Mail Tribune, after more than 100 years by that name, um, going out of business completely. It had ceased to put out a print edition at the end of September and then announced uh, rather abruptly in uh, early January that it didn't have the, the resources to go on. Chris Lucas, you're, uh, you're living in Ashland or nearby, which has already had its own paper, the Daily Tidings, also vanish in recent years. So what does it feel like to be in a place that has no daily newspaper anymore? Well, uh, you know, it's pretty concerning, and I know there's been a big burst of conversation about this around the community. Always shocking to see a long-term institution go away like that, and one that, you know, is doing a really crucial bit of public service and providing a public good of information that we all need. I think it's, uh, you know, there's a trend line that we've talked about several times on this program, a 20-year process here of the shrinking of the newspaper business, specifically um, staffs, you know, going down, advertising revenue collapsing. So, you know, there was maybe the writing was on the wall for a lot of these newspapers, especially if, you know, the companies are not able to pivot to new kinds of business models or, or find new audiences to develop so, you know, it is it is disturbing. I would say that I think a lot of us are already in this process of looking for where that information is elsewhere, right? Where is the good journalism? Where is the reliable, accurate information? Um, it's now even more um, important for all of us to, to go looking for that. Yeah, and it's, it's uh, certainly made a difference in my morning routine. I haven't quite caught up with uh, who I'm going to look at instead at this point. But, uh, Jesse, let's get your thoughts on, uh, on another, uh, another newspaper vanishing from the landscape. Yeah, it's it's not surprising. It is disturbing. I agree with what uh, Chris was saying that we're getting more and more news deserts, um, and you know, having that loss of local voices and the in-depth reporting, it also is the loss of community engagement, which you know we just saw a huge need for um, for local reporting in in Humboldt County with the earthquakes that we just had and the flooding and the storms and you know all these natural disasters where people needed local very local information to be able to you know know how to help and what to do and where to go and where not to go and things like that um i think one positive thing that i've noticed out of this is that um or maybe not out of this but just out of the kind of technology shifting the media landscape is uh that with things like social media that you know we often kind of scoff at and you know it's all memes and advertisements and whatever um, during these natural disasters, people were able to get information kind of directly from the source um, through social media. So Caltrans, for instance, was able to post information directly about which roads were open, which ones were closed, where the slides were, things like that. Uh, local sheriff's offices were doing the same thing and Cal Fire. Um, you know, so there's there's some... I would say that's maybe a positive shift where we can still get information because of uh, the fact that there can be that direct from the organizations to the um, to the communities on information that they need. But you know, not having the reporting and not having the sort of the unbiased factor in what reporters and trained journalists do is really, really 
that that's the, um, the kind of disturbing part. I want to point out one other positive thing, though, that um, that I'm sort of obviously trying to focus on the positive today. Um, I know that the, the Daily Courier up in Grants Pass plans to expand their operations down into Jackson County, which I think is great. And they're even talking about hiring reporters from the Mail Tribune. Have done so, yes. And then... Yeah, and then I know um, also in Oregon, uh, y'all are talking about doing um, some kind of legislation to actually give um, to give tax credit for individuals who are supporting local journalism. And then there's also the Local Journalism Sustainability Act, um, which is a federal bill which hasn't gone anywhere, but it has been introduced. It's still sitting in committee, but that would be um, federal legislation to give tax credits to folks who are actually, you know, subscribing to and supporting local journalism. So maybe there's hope there, and I'm going to try to focus on the positive today. <laughs> I'll give a final word here, actually, to an email we got from Darrow in Dunsmuir, who writes, do you know about the disappearance of Siskiyou County's local newspapers and coverage? Wairika's on the South Counties. Something is still being issued, but there's no local coverage, especially missing that of police and governmental matters. That newspaper, in quotes, looks like a poor weekly version of USA Today. Apparently the same corporation now owns and puts out the record search I checked. The website's identical. The South County papers long ago abandoned the editorial page, although retained the letters. The new versions are useless and a waste of time and money. Sad, writes Darrow in Dunsmuir. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, this is, uh, I mean, that's a pretty well-documented phenomenon. Well, there's two sides of it. One is what are sometimes called ghost newspapers that are, they're putting together information usually called from other sources or from national sources. And they don't really do much local reporting. They just sort of have the form of a local newspaper. And the other is, you know, there are organizations out there that are, that are setting up what appear to be local news sources, but they're essentially thinly veiled propaganda sources for people with political goals. So the the real service that newspapers were were providing was that um, you know uh, a fairly reliable and, and accurate source of someone that you knew wasn't you know didn't have a particular axe to grind in terms of public information. And um, I'm really I'll just it'll be the light and I'll be the dark of the day. <laughs> um, you know, we know that, uh, you know, communities that, that are lacking local news tend to, you know, have lower rates of civic engagement. They show higher rates of political polarization and even corruption. Costs go up because there's anybody really watchdogging what's going on in local uh, public finance and those kinds of things. So, well, definitely, you know, we're going to, we're going to need something like that to, or some kind of, some kind of, um, flow of information of these vital local issues. And I think it's out there. There's ways to do this, um, but there's going to be a period of adjustment for sure. Indeed. You know, it's basically we got newspapers handed down from previous generations, and we're not handing them off to the next. So uh, new, new habits will form for sure. And they have already, obviously, in an age of lots of broadcast news. This is Signals and Noise on the Jefferson Exchange. We're talking to our regular panelists, Jesse Kretzer-Hartenstein from Cal Poly Humboldt and Christopher Lucas from Southern Oregon University. Let's uh, change issues and talk about, uh, about one thing that maybe a lot of us hadn't thought about until the debacle in the U.S. House over uh, so many votes to pick a speaker uh, before they finally picked Kevin McCarthy on, I think, the 15th ballot. But the fact that in that period when the House was not officially organized, the cameras from C-SPAN got to pan all over the place. Jesse, pick up the ball here. Yeah, so this was, it was exciting times in the world of media <laughs> where, um, yeah, the in this sort of, in the limbo time before we had the Speaker of the House, um, the it's it's I, I should start by saying it is not a rule that they are allowed to be in there. Um, C-SPAN actually requests this every two years during this time of the changeover of Congress, and they request to be able to have their cameras in there because they're they're usually just um, 
they're they're usually taking the feeds that are being controlled by Congress. <laughs> um, so it's you know we kind of had this sneak peek at what was going on in there, which was fascinating and kind of crazy. And you know people were really tuning in in a way that they hadn't before because kind of because of the drama of it. You know you were seeing what was going on behind the scenes instead of just seeing those wide angle shots of whoever was at the podium. And, you know, as I said, very controlled, very kind of sterile, pretty boring, to be honest, for most people, unless you, you know, have a vested interest in it. So, you know, people were starting to tune in and kind of wanting to see the the real side of it. And I think I think it was kind of extraordinary and kind of great, um, not just that more people were getting engaged, you know, that might not otherwise be, um, but that there was the transparency factor that, you know, we kind of we we have the fourth estate you know we talk about how we in this country get to have and share information freely but only to some degree right if if the government is controlling which cameras can be in there and what shots are being taken then we really don't have transparency and i don't know how much that's going to necessarily support democracy directly though i think it will but i think it absolutely will have a positive effect on the voters on the population right to be able to get a full um, scope of the information and just have more information about who's in there, what they're doing, what they're saying, and what's going on behind the scenes. So I think that's fabulous. And I know a lot of people actually, um, you know, turned to or even found out about these things from social media, not from actually watching C-SPAN because of, you know, just the virality of the whole thing. So it's, yeah, it's been exciting. We actually watched <laughs> only one round of balloting, and it was the one just before the final one. So we got to see Mike Rogers starting to lunge at uh, at Gates from Florida, and uh, and then got to see uh, what bad lip reading made of that a couple of days later. So this truly was a media event. Chris, your take? Uh, yeah, I'm probably one of the few of the nerdy types who does watch C-SPAN on the regular, and the uh, yeah, I mean the 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 numbers that were reported out of C-SPAN is not usually Nielsen does not track <laughs> the numbers of C-SPAN, um, but the number of people watching C-SPAN at any given moment is probably numbering in the tens of thousands. And then through that week, the numbers started to creep up. So by the really by the those kind of penultimate votes and so forth, apparently they're up to almost a million people watching, and uh, that's just kind of remarkable for something. And it's usually pretty, you know, pretty um, pretty static and and non drama as the, the U.S. House of Representatives. Um, but I'm really fascinated just in kind of the evolution of C-SPAN because they are. A lot of people think C-SPAN is actually a government service or government agency, but of course it's it's funded by the cable companies, mm-hmm. and uh, they uh, so they just sort of they 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 put out that that feed of information. Um, it's been a really steady supply of revenue for them, and they've branched out into other kinds of programming and you know book TV and all these things that C-SPAN does. But they've really been uh, threatened by the decline of cable viewership. Right, their revenue is going down. And so C-SPAN itself is branching out into, you know, now on YouTube, on other kinds of social media, Twitter. They have like 2 million Twitter followers. They have a mobile app. So they're kind of looking, you know, not unlike newspapers, kind of looking for the next version of what they do that won't be as tied to the cable industry. Um, So this moment, you know, when they suddenly were able to kind of be more free with the cameras and were creating both content that had inherent drama, but then became fodder for all of this sort of spin-off media 
in the memes and the little video clips and the bad lip reading, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. That was a fascinating um, development and maybe gave kind of a new relevance to what C-SPAN has been doing for a long time. Which, you know, maybe it sends a message to the members of Congress. You know, if you let the things be a little more free, maybe people pay more attention to what you're doing. But when you try to control it all, then maybe that's the point. We want you to tune out. We'll not go down that road any further than <laughs> we need to. There's uh, a, a healthy dose of mockery in, in a lot of the content I saw, so I suspect they're going to go right back to the old way of doing it. Oh, yeah, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> Signals and noise on the Jefferson Exchange. We have about, uh, about two and a half minutes left for our pick three. Jesse, why don't you give us your pick three media choices for the month? Yeah, I'm going to start with one that's quite relevant to losing local um, losing local media and local news coverage. Um, as you probably know and your listeners know, we basically lost our local version of KHSU, the local programming on KHSU. Right, um, back public in, station. Back in 2019, yeah. But what came out of that was actually Humboldt Hot Air, which is a nonprofit community-centered internet radio station, and that's based out of Arcata, California, down here. Um, and it's actually a bunch of people from, um, you know, former former people from KHSU and also support from Access Humble and things like that. But I, I highly recommend people tune in and just check it out. It's, um, it's streaming. There's an app for it. Um, you can access that at HumboldtHotAir.org. Uh, and it is growing and changing and, you know, it's definitely still in its infancy in some ways. But, um, yeah, I would say check that one out and then I was excited to see the nominations. Uh, this is my second one. Moving on, <laughs> the nominations for the GLAD Media Awards. Um, the actual award ceremonies are not coming up for another couple months, but um, GLAD Media Awards, of course, are media awards that um, honor LGBTQ um, populations and and stories and things like that. So that was exciting to see. A couple of highlights on that were the White Lotus and Fire Island and. Um, the reboot of the a league of their own and things like that. So check that out. Uh, and then last but not least, my sort of fun one is um, Netflix comedy special, which I've been loving these days. Uh, this one is from Shang Wang. Uh, he's a Taiwanese American stand-up comedian, and it's called Sweet and Juicy. Sweet and Juicy. Okay, Chris, a minute for your pick threes. All right. Well, I want to encourage everybody to watch the Dion Warwick documentary that's on CNN right now, and will probably be out on other platforms soon, like Hulu. Really, if you know that, you know, that artist's really interesting life, just a great watch. I'm really excited for what's going to happen with this new program on HBO called Last of Us, which is a video game adaptation, but one of the most skillful and visually interesting shows to come along. It very much has that HBO gloss. And I'll be watching it as, you know, the, the development in this, you know, the video game adaptation, which is, you know, by and large disappointed a lot of us. But The Last of Us is an amazing game and now looks like an amazing show. And then finally, I'll just you know plug our local movie theater because movie theaters are having a rough couple of years. Um, look for a, a really great small indie drama called When You Finish Saving the World. This is um, the directorial debut of Jesse Eisenberg, who's a well-known actor, but got a great reception at Sundance last January and is now finally hitting theaters. Just a great little indie family drama. Um, worth your time. All right. A good list from both of you and a good conversation as always. Signals and Noise panelists are Christopher Lucas, Assistant Professor in Communications, Media, and Cinema at Southern Oregon University. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. And Jesse Kretzer-Hartenstein, Assistant Professor of Journalism and Mass Communication at Cal Poly Humboldt. Thanks again, Jesse. Thank you. Break time on the JX with talk of Willie Nelson coming up.